This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, this week's parsha. First of all, um, whoever came on Tisha B'Av, just want you to tell you that it was a very big kiddush Hashem. Um, everybody who listened to the shir my whole day, all the women that were here, the very big kiddush Hashem, and we should all be zayich that in that chos next year in the Beis Hamikdash. This week's parsha is parsha's Akev. Akev is a heel. On your foot, there's something called a heel. I don't know women, if they know anything about heels, but, right, you guys know more about heels than we do, that's for sure. How you walk on those heels is something that we still haven't been able to figure out. But every person has a heel. Most people um, don't even realize that there's a heel on their foot. Until Chas Shalom, something's wrong in your heel. Now, I don't think it's a girl thing, it's really more a boy thing. Uh, when we play basketball, we get what's called a heel spur. And um, that's like a spur in your heel. You don't hear me? That's a spur a, a spur in your heel. And, and I've had them. And this part of your foot that you feel like has no nerves and no feelings, if you have a, 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 a pain in your heel, you have a heel spur, you cannot walk. If you go into CVS in the uh, pharmacy, in the section of uh, things for your feet, you'll see the Dr. Scholl's. Has about 30 different things to wear in your heels. Put them in your shoe if you have a heel spur. So the heel is something we take very much for granted. We don't focus on it. It doesn't get much attention, you know. The nails in the front of your toes, they get a lot of attention. But the heel on the back of your foot, which is really where your whole body rests on, right? You really rest on your heels. It um, doesn't get much attention. And that's why this week's Pasha is called Akev. Because it's talking about the mitzvot and the people in our lives that we treat like the heel. They don't get much attention. We take them for granted. Things that you take for granted, you don't give a lot of attention to. And therefore, the Torah begins this week's parasha, V'hoya Ekev Tishmon. Says Rashi, what, are, what does that mean? V'hoya Ekev Tishmon. Says Rashi, we're talking about the easy mitzvahs. The, the person steps on with his heels because it doesn't mean much. I think the number one mitzvah that we treat like the heel of our foot and until that person gets a spur, we don't feel any pain. And I think the mitzvah that most of us, not you, me, Talking to myself, you can listen. Um, is, I know you hate when I talk, there's, there's three things that people are sick of hearing from Robert Wallenstein. Number one, Facebook. Number two, Facebook. And number three, give it up for aim. Rabbi Wallenstein always talks about give it up for aim. And we don't like to listen to, uh, to that speech because pretty much, um, I think, um, nothing against the Chafetz Chaim Foundation, um, what they've done with Lashon Hara, I think there's a new, we need a new, another foundation that would do it with Kibbut of Aim, a Kibbut of Aim foundation, like speak to your parents nice every morning from 9 to 10. <laughs> you know, something like that. And like 10 rabbis should get up on Tisha B'Av and talk about Kibbut of Aim because just like it's almost impossible to keep Lashon Hara, not to talk Lashon Hara, it is almost impossible to keep the mitzvah 
and really it's my fault. I should have brought a, a, a Rambam tonight to learn it inside with you. It's almost impossible to keep the mitzvah of Kibbut Avayim. And most people don't even know that they're not doing the mitzvah. They think, oh, it's not a problem. And really, it is a problem. It is a problem. I mean, there's so many intricacies about if you if you're allowed to give a sh- if you're a doctor and if, if you're allowed to give a shot to your you know to your parents, you you can't cut out your mother's ingrown toenail. You can't cause a parent to bleed. You can't you can't you know scratch her mosquito bite until it bleeds. Because if you draw blood from a parent, then you uh, chayiv misa. So so. Um, I didn't know this, and I used to play hockey with my father. And then someone came out to me and said, you know, if you give your father a body check into the wall, and he gets a black and blue mark from it, you know, why would you put yourself in such a situation? I was like, what are you talking about? And how lucky is it if you give your parent a black and blue mark, which is bleeding underneath the skin, you have misa. So, so like, we, we're, we're so, it's so stepped on, that I think that one of the main mitzvahs that it's talking about here, that is stepped on, even though it's such a big mitzvah, but it's so stepped on, is the mitzvah of Kibbut of Aim. And, and I think a person has to know that there's no Avera if your parents are screaming at you to turn around and leave the house. There's no Avera. There's nothing wrong with it. You can't slam the door in their face. But you can leave. It doesn't say anywhere in the, in the Torah that you need to stand and take abuse from anybody. Except your Rebbe, no, but from anybody. There's no, you don't, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah you have to take abuse from your parents. But it does say in the Torah that even if your parents are abusive, right, you can't hit them back and you can't scream at them and curse them. Because if you curse your parents, I'm a Kalel, as other Vimai, you're Chayav Misa. So, instead of cursing them, walk out. No Avera. You need to learn the halachas of Kibbut of Aim to know that. You mean I can walk out? What do you mean? It gets them even angrier. It's no problem to walk out. But to challenge them and to scream at them or to curse them, to hit them, it's a huge, huge, huge avera. So, so, myself included, you know, um, we, we call our friends, we, we do Bikr Chol and we do a lot of stuff, but, but many times we don't call our parents. You know, we only call them once a week. Meanwhile, you know, doing chesed um, is a very big thing and it, it makes you feel really good. But sort of doing chesed in the house for your parents sort of doesn't make you feel good. Just the opposite. It makes you feel be- that you're being used. But if it was the next door, it, I, I think that we would switch our kids for kibbutz of aim. It would be amazing. If I would tell my kids, you go clean the next door neighbor's house, it's chesed. And then she would tell her kids, you go clean my house, it's chesed. My kids would be scrubbing her floors and her kids would be scrubbing my floors. But if I tell them, I mean, not my kids. My kids, what? But you tell your own kids to do something and, and, and they don't want to do it. Why? Because when you become familiar with something and you become used to something, it ends up becoming your heel. It, actually, you're standing and you're being supported by it. You don't even feel it. You don't even realize it. So... The mitzvahs that the Torah is talking about here are the mitzvahs that a person just gets used to. The people, thank you very much. I appreciate it very much. Well, I would like to make a bracha on this. But there's a bunch of girls watching from Hask, and and they sent me from Hask. I, I will use, I will drink the water, but they sent me from Hask this bottle. Batya very, Batya sends me every week, and she's watching this, and a bunch of campers and a bunch of kids, and they send me from Hask in the mountains. They go to this creek and they fill up this this bottle. It's called Poland Spring, and 
And every week they fill it up and they say, They make a Kaddish and they send it to me. So I have to make the bracha I'm making because I'm thirsty. And, uh, Batya l'chaim. Baruch atah dinayin l'chalam shahakim li'avaro. Not only Batya, but Batya and all her friends. I said, good girls, they really, girls are amazing. Boys don't even give me the drink. Forget about from, from up in the mountains. It's like, Rebbe, you want a drink? Bring your own soda. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, so. When children stop talking to their parents, they're, is that allowed? I mean, like for five years. No, that's not allowed. When, when I when I'm saying walk out, that's when there's a situation where there's a, a fight or machlekes or something that chas may lead you to do an avera. Um, halachically, does the shulchan aruch say that you have to talk to your parents? No, it doesn't say halachically that you have to. But if you cause them agitation and aggravation, then you're ervan kibud avain. So some some parents may not want their kids to call them. I don't know the relationship. But you, you, if you, I mean, causing them aggravation, but definitely, if there's something going on, you, you don't need to stand there. You need to walk out. You need to walk out. And and and, um, I mean, I don't want to get into all the halachas. We really should learn them. And you know, what happens with a wife and a husband if the husband tells the wife not to talk to his parents? What's the halacha? And because we know that the wife has to listen to her to her husband over the over their own parents. So so there's a lot of halachas. You know, and and. And one girl wanted to know if, let's say, for whatever reason, the, the husband doesn't want his wife to talk to her parents, which is, of course, a very silly thing to do, um, can she talk to them behind his back? Halachically. So there's a, there's a lot of halachas in Hilchus Kivodavim, and maybe, Mitz Hashem, I'll take it on myself starting next week, that before my shir, part of my shir, the opening of my shir, we'll learn a halacha in Kivodavim every week until we learn the whole thing. So we'll have an understanding, because it's very important. L'man yirichin yamecha. Very important, but it's something that we just get used to, and we take for granted. And you know, that, that's from when you get familiar with people, you take them for granted. Brothers, sisters, you know, family, families. Uh, you know, being a rabbi that speaks all over the place, I continuously have to pinch myself and remember that my family, you know, they're my family. They, they, they also need attention. And you, you know, it's very big to go and speak in front of other people, uh, but you need to speak to your family. You know, so uh, again, I told you, it was a very big tzaddik, and, and he was a gadol hadar. And his children ended up growing up, they ended up being very modern, extremely modern. Somebody that you all know. He's not alive anymore, but he was a famous, famous tzaddik. Everyone in this room knows the name. And his children are not. They're, they're modern, you know, uh, very modern children. And so somebody went over to him and asked, he said, you're a gadol hadar. What went wrong? Like, how could you have children like this? I don't know who had the nerve to ask him, but he asked him. And he said... Um, I know what went wrong. I didn't, I, at the table, I said Torah and Shabbos instead of singing Zemiris. Now, when you hear that answer, to you, that answer sounds like, what is he talking about? He said that at the table with, when they came for Shabbos, so I spoke, I said Dvar Torahs at the table, but I never sang Zemirot. I never sang the Shabbos songs. So, so, so he explained that what he was saying is that at the, at the Shabbos table, instead of bonding with his kids, let's all sing together, he was learning Torah, it was just like giving a shear, sitting at the table and giving a shear. He said, so we never bonded. And, and here's a God dog. They never bonded, and you know, Shabbos at the table, your children at the table, don't give drushes. Listen to what they have to say. You know, let them put on a play. Sing with them. It's very, very, very important. To, you know, to give time to your own family. You forget your own family. It's very true. Because you're used to, you walk in, they're there, everything's in place. You know, what do I need to talk to them? And all of a sudden, 
your daughter's 16 or your son's 16 and, and, and you're a stranger to them. And, and this is Akev because it's the heel. It's something that you're used to. And, you know, meanwhile, you're being the car of the whole world, everyone else's kids, and your own kids, they don't get your attention. So, so uh, the mitzvahs that the Torah is talking about here are the mitzvahs of Akev, the mitzvahs that we have to think about, the mitzvahs that we take for granted. And, you know, I talk a lot about... Um, about appreciating Hashem's world, and I don't know what I said on Tisha B'Av. I don't even remember because I was so outspoken. I, I, I spoke for, I spoke longer than you fasted. You figure that out, okay? You fasted 26 hours. I, for some reason, I spoke 28 hours. I don't know. I don't know. I can't figure out. But I, I spoke a lot on, on Tisha B'Av. I don't even remember what I said, but I know that I spoke a lot. So, so I don't know what hit me on my way at the end of Tisha B'Av. So I was driving up to the mountains. I wanted to break my fast in the mountain. It was, I figured it'll take me two hours. It'll be, you know, two hours in the car driving alone. I'll be thinking. Um, and I had this thought, and I, I shared it with the boys last night. And I started doing it since Tisha B'Av, and I, it's amazing. So maybe you should try it. It's also on the, on the, on the word on, on the word Akev. Um, so in the morning when I wake up, so you all know my stories of Moda'ani and the importance of thanking Hashem. Um, but a, a while ago, a few years ago, I learned in the Kava Yashar that before you leave your house, you should stand by the door, right? We just get dressed, pile out the front door, pile out the side door. You should leave, by the way, you should leave through the front door of your house. And on Shabbos, when you come home from Shul with the Malachim, you should go through the front door. Malachim don't like the side door. Don't ask questions, right? It's like servants go through the side door. So when people come home Friday night from the shul and the malachim come with them, we say, Shalom Aleichem, you should make it your business to follow it, to go through the front door. Shabbos, you should use your front door. It's something about Shabbos. You should use your front door. You shouldn't use your side door as much as you can. Okay, anyway, um, so the Kabbalah Yosha says that before you leave in the morning, you should stand opposite the, on the other side of the mezuzah, it's the whole thing. There's a malach on that side. Whatever. It's a kaviyash. I'm not going to get into the whole kabbalah of it. But you should stand opposite the mezuzah, and you should say Yivarecha Hashem Yishmarecha Yisrael Panolachanecha Yisrael Hashem Panolachanecha Shalom. He actually says you should say it. I think twice or three times. I say it six times for each direction, up and down. Um, it's a protection. Then you should say Yishma Yisrael and Vahafta, so that when you get to Amzuzah Spesecha, you can kiss the mezuzah. That's where you're, that's where you're standing. And then I don't alum, and then you should walk into the world. He has other tefillos, hiratsons, but I, I can't remember those hiratsons. And then, oh, I know why this thing came to me. When I got into my car to drive to the mountains, so when I turn the keys, there's an info thing that if you push that button, it runs through your cars, the whole car. Oil check, uh, gas check, mileage check, uh, winter wipers check, runs through a whole thing, does a whole checklist. Someone told me that, not that I would know because I don't use it much, but the same thing on a computer when you boot it up, Right? It, it, it goes through a, you know, a, like a million different things flash on, all the different programs you have, right? All checks off, checks off, and then it opens up to the schmutz, you know, it opens up and whatever. <laughs> a guy gave it to me tonight, I was by a wedding, he says, Wallstein, I am a huge fan, but I have to ask you a question. He says, you talk about the internet, you talk about the internet, but you're on the internet. So how could you be on the internet if you're against the internet? And you know what? I wouldn't even know who you are if there was no internet. And then he started telling me that he thinks the internet's like the Baal Shem Tov. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> the guy's talking about it. It's as big as a movement because there's so many shiurim on the internet. I'm like, yeah, tell that to the Baal Shem Tov. He'd be really happy. You know, first time I ever had a comparison, internet and Baal Shem Tov. But then the guy told me. She says, so how can you be on the internet if you're against the internet? So I said, I said, I, I have a disclaimer and I'm going to say that right now to the camera. For Torah anytime, that's a lie. 
do not go on the internet to watch Robert Wallerstein. If you're on the internet anyway, then uh, instead of watching the schmutz that you normally watch, or whatever you're watching, it's better you watch a shir. But for sure, it's better you buy the tapes or you listen to Kala Lashon, and you never go on the internet. Much better. If you never hear me, and you never went on the internet, I, I will tell you, you'll gain more in life from not being on the internet than hearing all my shirim. The internet's a terrible, terrible place. It's a terrible, terrible place. So, so he said to me, but it's not. I, I don't know. I came to a wedding to enjoy myself, but you know, it just doesn't work out that way. So this guy was like, he says, but you're wrong because, because so much, you know, there, there's so much good. You know, there's Lubavitch and there's Eshat Torah and there's Dafyomi and there's Torah Anytime with 700 lecturers and there's so much good on the, or how, how many? 40? What? No, how many lecturers? Okay, over a hundred, whatever it is, two hundred lecturers. So he said, "There's so much good." So I said, "You know, I want to tell you something about Jews. We're very interesting." Um, Israeli army went into Lebanon, right? The first day they went in, they lost four soldiers. They decimated, right? When they went in there, they killed. I don't know what their number was. Four soldiers, and everybody was in Avelis. Everybody was in Avelis. Four soldiers. We lost. Four soldiers. When we lose one soldier, we are, we think, right, the way we think as Jews, that we can go into war, right, wipe out the enemy and walk out without losing a soldier. When we lose a soldier and you have to watch that Leviah, right, in Eretz Yisrael with everyone crying and screaming, to us one soldier is too many. So I said to this boy, I said, no matter how good you're going to tell me the internet is, but if we lose one girl, or one boy, it's Avelos. We're different. We don't, we don't go by numbers. Like, well, there's 800 people grew, and only 60 of them ended up in a cult, and 20 of them ended up becoming Christians, and 15 of them uh, ended up going to who knows what size. So the numbers, hey, numbers, we're a number guy, like, we're doing much better on this side. No, we can't lose one Neshama. So, so I, and maybe, maybe I need to explain this, because, because people really, I don't think they understand me. I, don't, I really, with everything that, that I talk about, I don't, I don't think people understand me because, because Lemaisa, it is part of your life. Why does he, why does he shut up already? Like, what, you know, even today, we're talking to Akiv and he's on the, he got back to the internet. We can't get away from it. And I think I need to explain it to him. I'm going to explain it to everyone so that they understand now that we're, 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 we're out there. And, and I want to explain it to all, all to you so that you understand why I'm so against Facebook and so against, um, against the internet. So I was many years ago, and I've told this story, I was on the thruway, and I got, I got pulled over by a state trooper for not having my children in the back seat in a seatbelt. I believe I had three at the time, or maybe four, and me and my wife, and for some reason, I don't know why, because we really are always in the seatbelts, maybe I came out of the gas station, I don't remember why, but we weren't on the seatbelt, I got pulled over by a trooper, and he took his flashlight, and he looked in the back, and... He said to me, please get out of the car and come into my cruiser. Those guys, when they say cruiser, it's like, you're dead, right? So I'm like, what? I didn't start crying. Guys, it doesn't work. Guys start crying. They give you, if a guy starts crying, they give you another ticket. It's, you don't stop crying. They asked you, so do you know why I pulled you over? Went, no, I don't know. And you know, the lady's like, I knew I should have done it. And he's like, oh, uh, it doesn't work anymore anyway. Okay, anyway, so... 
So I'm sitting in the guy's car. He says, sir, I'm giving you five summonses. You know how many points that is? It's more points than I got on my math region. <laughs> okay? It's a lot of points. A lot of points. I said, five summonses? Could you, like, just give me one? And, and, and we'll be best friends forever? And, and, no, and, and I le- I'll learn my lesson. I'll never forget this. He was angry. He said to me, Mr. Wallerstein, when I see a child in a car without a seatbelt on, I see body parts on the asphalt of the highway. You see, Mr. Wallerstein, I'm a state trooper, and I'm the one that scrapes the body parts off the asphalt on the thruway. So you might see a child laughing in the back seat of a car. I see body parts. And therefore, Mr. Wallerstein, you are getting five summonses because these are your children and I don't want to scrape them off the asphalt. And I, I don't want to scrape them off the asphalt. And I got five summonses. So I just want to tell everyone here that Baruch Hashem, most of you, and most of the people who listen to my shiurim don't deal with the stuff that I deal with. And therefore, when you look at your internet, it's shopping in the gap, right? It's talking to your friends on Facebook. It's fun. It's going on, on the internet to learn. And okay, there's some bad pictures, but it's not the end of the world. But what comes to my table every day are the people, are the marriages that could have been so good, that are destroyed forever. And when a marriage is destroyed, that means those children in the marriage are destroyed. And the dysfunction of those children now make it hard for them to have their children, which make it hard to have their children. So that one internet that this guy went on and he's talking to this girl in Arkansas and they're meeting in a motel or this woman is talking to some guy and whatever's going on, that comes to my table. The shopping at the Gap, that doesn't come to my table. People don't come to me and say, Red Wallstein, I don't know, should I shop at the Gap or Banana Republic? That's not, that's not what comes to my table. So, so that's what I see. You understand? That's what I see. And that's what I see nice, good base Yaakov or regular nice girls you know, ending up with boys and the most terrible things, the most terrible abuse and all kinds of other things coming from the internet. That's all I know about the internet is the the pain that it causes. I don't get the other side. No one comes to me and like the internet saved my life. I don't get that other side. I just get the kids on the asphalt. That's all I get. In Facebook, right, all I get is the girl who's in the cult, is the guy who's doing all kinds of things, who's the girl who's got pictures of her friends and herself on her Facebook account that everyone can look at, right? And and, and, and and the friend became from and wants her picture off and she's like, well, this is a realm, a free realm. And a free realm, I can do whatever I want. And if the guy doesn't like what you were three years ago, then he doesn't really like you anyway. And this girl's like, I'm in Shiduchim. Take my picture off. And the other, her friend is like, I'm not taking it off. So that's what I get. So if that's all I get... Then, then, you know what? It's too many Israeli soldiers. It's too many people getting killed and too many marriages being disturbed. So, that's what I see. So I'm the state trooper. 
And therefore, I'm going to give you a summons. Because I know what, I know, there's a lot of innocent girls in this room right now that can't imagine themselves ever, ever through the internet or Facebook, ending up in a cult or, I don't even want to say it out of my mouth, ending up with so many people end up. And you're thinking, he's talking about someone else. And I'm telling you that if the kid ain't wearing a seatbelt, any kid, he's going through the windshield. Doesn't matter who you are, how strong you are. And a mother's only a mother's a fool if she has a kid on her lap and she says, don't worry, if you stop short, I'm going to hold on to him. Because she's going to go through the windshield with the kid, chas v'shalom. So any person who thinks that it can't happen to you, you're a fool. you got to know that it can happen to you. At least that, you know, there's some type of safeguard. But that's all I see. And that's all I deal with. And therefore, I speak about it a lot because I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't want to watch women cry. I don't want to watch women cry. I don't want to watch girls cry. I don't want to visit girls in hospitals. It's enough. So I don't want that anymore. And when I know where it comes from, I'm going to get up and I'm going to talk about it until it stops. And Baruch Hashem, every week, I get six more emails, emails, <laughs> Tavi Vit, that, you know what? And, 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 I, and my phone messages are, Walston, I live in Atlanta, just want you to know, because I know it means so much to you, I'm off Facebook. So you know what? There's one more kid that's wearing a seatbelt. Baruch Hashem. And that's the only reason I talk about it all the time. Because I deal with all the disasters that it causes. And I want to tell you that it causes crazy stuff. I'm talking really marriages that are 15 years old and they were good. They were good. There was no reason to bring that into your house. And a whole family is destroyed. Not one, not two, not ten. Not 20, much more. So, I gotta keep talking about it. And it's like AK, right? It's, it doesn't hurt. And if it doesn't hurt, you know, it's fine. It hurts. It hurts. It's a terrible thing. It's a destruction of, of, of our door. And, and imagine what this, what the next door is gonna be like. It's in, it's crazy. Anyway. I don't know how I went there. So, I'm going back to what I want to say. So anyway, so my, oh, I know how I went there. So the, I just mentioned computer. So it checks itself out and it prints all this stuff out. So I said to myself, why don't we do that every day? So I came up with a new thing. The people on my block, first of all, think I'm absolutely out of my mind. Because every morning there's this guy talking to the wall. At his door, you know, at the door, the people are walking by and they see him talking. And they're like, what are you doing, right? So the morning after Tishabov, I walked outside and I said, okay. I have five senses, right? Let's check them out. Let's see if they're all working, just like the car. So I stand at the door, and I look outside, and there are many different colors. I happen to be lucky enough to have a fire hydrant right in front of my house, right? Look at the fire hydrant. It's red, and, and the concrete, and this. And I look at just 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 three seconds, girls, three seconds, just using your eyes, just looking around at all the colors, the clouds, whatever it is. Okay, check. My eyes are working. Hashem gave me eyes, I see all the different colors. Next, sound. Let me listen, close my eyes, let me listen for three seconds. Usually it's a siren, or garbage truck, or whatever it is, doesn't make a difference. My ears are working, I hear things. Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Okay, smell. Usually try to do that, not at the time they're collecting the garbage, but, (laughs) but you know what? Smelling garbage it's also a good thing, because if you can smell things that don't smell good, you walk around them. You stay away from them. If you smell smoke, right, 
then you know there's something going on in your house, you start to look for it. So even smelling something that's not a good smell, many times will end up saving your life. Because you're smelling smoke in your house, or you walk into your house and you smell gas. That's not a good smell. But because you smell gas, now you, you know that the gas is on. Smelling can save your life. So whether you're smelling something good or something bad, Baruch Hashem, I can smell. And anyone in this room who ever had a huge sinus infection, or like a really bad cold, when you can't smell anything, then you can't taste it. And you're stuffed with a bad cold, you, you, you lose a lot of weight. Because, because you can't taste the food. Smelling has to do with tasting. So you stand outside your door, you can see, and you can hear, and you can smell. It's amazing. And then you have a mezuzah, right? Since you're saying yitzvila, you touch the mezuzah. Fantastic. My fingertips I can touch. I have feelings in my body. There's never a terrible disease. I once went to visit a kid with this disease where there's no nerve. You should never know from it. The child was born without nerve endings. So, so they don't feel anything. So they could cut off their arm, God forbid, and bleed to death. They would have no idea. So feelings, even when it's pain, right, is, is, a, is a fantastic thing that you can feel. Chastoshalm, a person has a stroke, right, and he can't feel. The way they test it is they take a needle and they, they start sticking the needle in. And the whole family standing there with this man laying on the bed. And they're screaming, scream in pain already! Yell! They're waiting for a yell. No yell, he's dead. No, no yell, it means he, he's, he's totally numb. So pain, my Rebbe always said, pain means you're alive. Dead people have no pain. There was a story, I don't know who this guy was, he was a super of, a, of an apartment building, whatever. So, so one morning he came downstairs, and he used to always fetch. And uh, he came downstairs and he had this look of panic in his eyes. So there was a young guy standing, he says, oh, you look, you look terrible, you look panicked. He goes, I think I'm dead. The kid said, what do you mean you think you're dead? He says, I have no pain in my body today. <laughs> That's what he was thinking. Like, I have, you have no pain, you're not alive. The person has, so, so, so feeling, being able to feel your pen. If you don't feel your pen, then you can't write. So you're touching the mezuzah or you're touching your face or whatever. You're touching your hair and, and you can feel the difference between skin and hair. We, this is Akev. I'm not giving you, Rabbi, you give me a share and I, I learned that in first grade, right? The five senses. But it's Akev. It's stuff that we take for granted. It's the heel. We take it for granted that you can feel the difference between hair and skin. That your fingertips are crazy, crazy computers. Not normal computers. If I tell everyone in this room to close your eyes, right? And I put a pen in your hand without seeing it, without smelling it, without hearing it. You feel the pen, you'll tell me, Rabbi, it's a pen. So what happens, what are your fingers doing? They're touching it, and those senses are coming back to your brain, and your brain's computing from the sense of what you touch, what it is. In a second, not a second, it's not even a second. It's the millimeter of a second. That when you touch something, that I know I'm touching metal right now, it didn't take a second. It's crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff that Hashem created at the edge of your fingertips. It's not normal. They're computers. Mega computers at every fingertip. Mega computers. They tell you so much. They tell you hot and cold. They tell you warm, hot, cold, frozen. They tell you texture. They tell you soft or hard. They're, Hashem created unbelievable stuff. So spend three seconds in the morning and kissing the mezuzah or however and say thank you Hashem. Check. Feeling works. Touching works. 
And then you have the last sense, which is tasting. So I have a problem with that because I don't eat before davening. So I tell Hashem, listen, this is the deal. Four out of four out of the five I checked out the Baruch Hashem working, and I thank you very much. The fifth one, we gotta wait till we hang out in breakfast. <laughs> it's my excuse to go to breakfast. I'm not sure about the fifth one, we gotta check it out. So on a fast day, you gotta wait a little bit longer. But Okay, I'm not into that really. <laughs> you taste the the the, the, the crest uh, toothpaste and the uh, right, but by the time you're downstairs, yeah, you know what? Maybe that's, that's not a bad idea. We're going to the Listerine thing. We'll do a little Listerine patch, whatever they call that. So, so you're standing at your door. And, and, you know, it might sound like, what are you, what are you giving us a share about? And the truth is, these are secrets. These are, I'm telling you secrets because if you spend thirty seconds at your door every morning before you walk out and do your computer check on all your five senses, you'll keep those senses forever. Hashem will never take it away from you. Because the things that you don't take for granted, and that's my second point, which is called Hakar Satov, which is the thing that, which is the opposite of taking for granted. Take, Hakar Satov means recognizing the good. Anytime you recognize good, that's the, that's the exact opposite of taking something for granted. Because I'm recognizing that there's something good. If you have Hakar Satov to Hashem, that He gave you something good, why would I take something away from you that you realize I gave you something good? If you don't realize I gave you something, after a while I'm going to give it to someone who realizes it. I'm going to give you something and you don't realize I gave you anything. Why am I giving it to you? I give it to her. She's like jumping up and down. I'll give it to her. So one of the biggest schoolers of keeping your five senses working is to, is to have, is to say thank you. And, and, and it, it takes 30, it takes me 30 seconds in the morning. It just takes 30 seconds. And, and your day is so different. You start your day like that, you're going to have a good day. Because the bottom line is, before you go to sleep, you can just make sure that everything else, that it's still working. Right? And before you go to sleep, you can do the same thing. You're sitting on the edge of your bed. Baruch Hashem, I'm now going to sleep. And I can smell, and I can touch, and I can hear, and I can see. It's absolutely amazing. It's amazing what Hashem does for us. And I think that this Rashi and this, this Pasuk over here is talking about all these things that a person absolutely takes for granted. So I think it would be good for everyone to spend 30 seconds at your doorway in the morning. Even if people think you're talking to yourself, they'll deal with it. And, and, and go through your system. Check out your system. Okay. And, 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 and that, that's something I started doing after Tishra and it's, it's, it's amazing. And that's what it says in the passage. If you, if you, if you take care of these things that are akev, that are, that are things that you're familiar with, that, you know, your five senses, I'm born with my five senses, like, what do I have to appreciate it for? And if, but if you, if you, if you appreciate it, then Hashem will keep His deal. And it's chesed that he swore to your to to, to your forefathers. He'll love you. He'll bless you. He'll multiply you. And he'll bless your children. And he'll bless your, the fruits of your land. I mean, look at this. Look at this uh, skula for uh, for a person who takes care of the things that are akev. A person who takes care of the things that are on their heels. So it's very connected. Um, this pasha is very connected with with Akar Satov, with, um, with appreciation. Before I get into the, it's a little bit late, so before I get into, um, the appreciation, one of the, one of the, the hardest things to understand, which we talk about a lot, is appreciating life. I got a text today from a girl. She wanted, just explain to me why we're in this world. I'm like, if you think I can text that back, it would take me like 900 years, because I can text like a letter a minute. So I was like, that's like a major question, so I can't, I can't text the answer to that. But, um, 
I just like to give you an understanding. I, you know, I've been talking now for Baruch Hashem for 10 years. I've been giving shirim. I think that adds up to about 500 shirim. Um, that's a lot of shirim. Um, and a lot of stories. So, there's a few weeks that I miss, but I speak in other places. So, um, and people don't like to hear the same stories over and over again, even though usually I never can say the same story over because I change it. But, but um, so I decided uh, last week that I, I think I did the mom lawyers, the whole mom lawyers, and um, the Kaba Yashar, and a lot from the my, my Sefer Davas Chaim. I need some new material. So I decided to go Sephardi. Because, because I'm a little bit of a Sephardi. I, um, my great, great, great grandparents came actually from Spain, um, by the Inquisition. Most of the Jews by the Inquisition went to the Middle East. I don't know why my grandparents decided to go into Europe, and some of the Jews went to Germany and to Poland, and they escaped, they escaped in Hungary, they escaped that way. Some escaped that way. And a lot of them escaped this way. My, my great grandparents came from Spain and they ended up Going to uh, going to Germany actually, um, but there's definitely some Sephardi blood in me. So, therefore, I decided to buy a sefer by the Benish Chai, and the Benish Chai has the most amazing mashalim and stories. So tonight I would like to share with you my opening story that I've learned from the in the Benish Chai, and it blew me out the door. And on the way, of course, I checked my senses, but <laughs> but. It totally blew me out the door, and I said, if that's the kind of stories that the Benish Chai writes, I need to learn the Benish Chai. So I'd like to share with you, I've been talking about this subject for a long time, and I've never seen a mushal that, that encompasses the meaning of this, of, of, of what I'm about to tell you better than this one. So, so we talk a lot about, and, and, and you know, girls go through this, and boys go through this, and David Amalek went through it, Mashal Benu, Yemiyo, and that's Sadiq Viraloi. And that's like, you know, you do, sometimes we do, I met a boy last night, first time he ever came to my shir. Um, and I saw that during my shir he was struggling. Never saw this kid before, he was sitting right in front of me. And he came over to me after the shir, he said, can I talk to you, Rabbi? I said, yeah, I said, yeah. He said, I have to ask you something. You know, you, you, have, you seem to have a lot of belief in God. I came to your shir tonight because one of my friends told me that, you know, I should come to the shir. But I, I have to tell you, he says, you know, I, I went totally off the darach. I mean, I gave up everything. And whatever, I went to Israel and I was just hanging out. I was doing everything that I wasn't supposed to do. And then one day this rabbi got me and I said, you know what? I ended up in the Vey, boys in Vey, um, in Eretz Yisrael. And I really started learning and I started praying to God. My main thing was, I couldn't learn, but my main thing was that um, I was praying to God. He said, and, and I started to grow. I started every morning I would pray to God in yeshiva. They didn't push me. He said, and, and, and Rabbi, I have to tell you, I got a connection with God. He says, and then I had this sister who was 24 years old, and she was going through a lot of stuff. And my main prayer to God every day was, I'm going to change in her honor. He said, and six months into Nevei, last year, I get a phone call that she died. So, he, he said, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm praying, and and I don't want any. I don't want this anymore. He said. So so I walked out of yeshiva. I left, and I said, "That's it. I'm done." Finally, I came back. Finally, I'm praying, and and that's what happens. I'm finished. He said. My friend came over to me and said, "You know what? Just try out try out Wallerstein shear. Just come back, you know, for one shear, whatever it is." And last night, for whatever reason, 
Hashem put in my head to say this, what I'm about to tell you, this marshal from the Benish Chai about why sometimes what we think are bad things happen to a guy who finally is coming back, standing in the vey every morning, trying to come back to Hashem and davening, and then losing a 24-year-old sister. So the Benish Chai says the following. He says that they were, um, there were two donkeys, and these two donkeys used to fight with each other, each one said, the master loves me more. That's what each one said. And I would just like to say hello to Ellie, because the story that I'm about to say, uh, one of my Talmudim, Ellie, who happens to be watching, um, tweaked it a bit. And when he tweaked it a bit, it even made more sense. So the little tweak that I'm going to say in the story is coming from Ellie. So the two donkeys are fighting with each other. Each one says, the owner likes me more, the owner likes me more. One day, the owner comes out. He says, donkeys... We're going on a trip. Okay? Takes a hundred pound sack of salt and puts it on a donkey's back. Oh! It's, it's like killing him. Goes to the other donkey and puts this little sack of sponges on the back of the donkey. Maybe six pounds, eight pounds of sponges. Big bag, but it's very light. So the donkey with the sponges turns to the donkey with the salt and says, Ah! I told you! The master loves me much more than you. You're going to have to schlep on this trip 100 pounds of salt. I'm going to schlep 12 pounds of sponges. I told you, he loves me a lot more. And the donkey, if a donkey can be tzabrachin, broken, right, with the 100 pounds of salt, is like, he's right. But they didn't know, the donkeys, where the master was going. And part of the trip was taking these donkeys and okay so now I'm going to tell you what the Ben Ishchai says and I'm going to tell you what my Talmud tweaked so the Ben Ishchai says that they went through a river part of the trip was going through a river now the donkey with the 100 pounds of salt when he went into the river immediately the salt dissolved so on his back there was nothing and he swam across the river like a fish the donkey with the sponges the 12 pounds of sponges absorbed all the water and now he was dealing with 250 pounds of water on his back and drowned. This is the story that the Ben Ishchai says. So the Ben Ishchai, don't feel bad for the donkey, it's a marshal, it's okay. But, but the Rosh Hashiva, our Rosh Hashiva, she feels bad for the donkey. That's, you feel bad for every, every Bria. So the Ben Ishchai says like this, unbelievable. He says, Sadik Viraloi, so the tzaddik goes through life. And he goes through all kinds of pain. All kinds of stuff happens. You know, and you ask questions, why does things like this happen to me? And you go through this, all this pain in life. But you know, we, tzaddik, ain't tzaddik bars, ashalei echta. There's no tzaddik in the world that didn't sin. So he comes into the next world, right? And he's like, oy vey, am I going to get it? For all the averis I did. And they take him and they put him in the Ganeidin. And no Gehenim, no nothing. He said, what's going on? They said, oh, all the Averis you did, all the pain that you went through, it dissolved. The pain took away all the Averis. You don't have anything. You have nothing to carry. There's nothing on your back. You're an Elam Haba. You're free. No weight. The other guy who was partying in this world, no pain, everything's great, right? Comes to the next world and his, he absorbed in his sponges, so to say, all his Averis are still there. 
So when he comes to the next world, he's so weighed down by all the Averis because he didn't suffer. He thought, I'm the lucky guy in this world. No, you're not the lucky guy. When you started your trip, you had sponges, right? But you're going to pay for all the Averis because it doesn't dissolve. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.